And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Bill Smith, and he's pastor of Cornerstone Reformed Church in Carbondale, Illinois. Bill, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Great to be here, Dan. Thank you for the privilege. I came across an article you wrote the other day, and the title of the article is The Wisdom of Youth. And it caught my eye. Um, So often we either have experienced ourselves or heard of young people growing up in a Christian home, and then um, maybe they go away to school, or even within the home before they go away to school. So many of them seem to go through a stage where they become distant from the things of Christ and let's talk about that a little bit. Does it have to be that well, way? <laughs> Does it have to be that well, way? Uh, maybe you can lead us here. Sure. I I certainly don't think it has to be that way. I, I um, In the article, I referenced really an experience, experience that I've had through the years, and I know that many others have had, uh, at least by observation. I grew up in a very... Uh, uh, very evangelical church, <clears throat> and uh, there was uh, not not to criticize my fathers and mothers. Uh, I'm very thankful for many things, but there was a lot of uh, superficiality, uh, not a lot of depth in where I grew up, and it was it came almost to be expected that when teenagers got to the place where they were asking why, and there weren't weren't really good foundational answers that they would just stray um, for their late teens, early 20s, and then come back sometime, uh, come back to the church sometime after they got married, started having children. And it became such a pattern that people became, uh, it just just seemed like it became axiomatic, that Mm. this is what you expect, uh, that this is what people are going to do, and older parents would commiserate about it, and and they would uh, just act like this is just the way things are. And, of course, um, as I became a parent, and I'm a father of six, and um, always hearing these horror stories about the teenage years, and uh, and and I was frightened myself uh, mm-hmm. coming out of that background. And but we went into the teenage years. My wife and I went into the teenage years with our children, uh, both of us having come from that more broadly evangelical Baptist background and seeing those patterns. And we we experienced something different. And I'm not going to say that our experience is, you know, the paradigm for everybody mm-hmm. or that it itself is axiomatic. But the teenage years were actually some of our uh, favorite years <laughs> in rearing our children. Um, they, as they grew up and they matured, Certainly, there were challenges, but uh, we experienced something different than what than what we saw growing up. And so, uh, with that experience and, and seeing some other faithful families through the years, I, I, I've also and, and now having started study, uh, studying and preaching through um, proverbs with my church, it is uh, the expectation in proverbs is that the young son to whom he's addressing. Proverbs, uh, will hear and heed wisdom 
Mm-hmm. He is a, more than likely an adolescent uh, of some, uh, you know, he's coming of the age of around probably 20, who knows, uh, that's the age when uh, Israel Israel's young men became men and, and mm-hmm. had to had to step up to fight, and so it's it may be around that age. But uh, Solomon is instructing his son, and he's leading him, and he's telling him to choose wisdom. And he, he, he throughout several times in the book, he tells him to look to him and to listen to his instruction, and um, and so he expects his son to heed his words of wisdom, heed heed uh, his example in life. Uh, he is not expecting his son to stray. He's not expecting his son to walk away from the faith for a while and then come back. Now, we do know, if you keeping this within history, that Solomon's son, Rehoboam, did indeed stray. And so there's nothing that is foolproof. I want to be careful there, because yes. there's nothing, this isn't like uh, just working on a computer, plug the right uh, zeros and ones in, and, and right. your children are going to turn out okay. Uh, in fact, there are times, uh, well, the whole tenor of the book of Proverbs is the, there's a personal responsibility that the child has to respond to the teaching of the father and the mother, and that he, he's, the, the father and mother put two ways, two women in front of him and say, Look, at, at, at some point in your life, we can't tell you what to do. Uh, you're going to have to choose which way is right. We, uh, or you're going to have to choose the right way. And here are the ways, here are the consequences to walking in those ways. And so there is, there is possibility for apostasy. I mean, th- th- that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what we want. And there's no, like I said, there's no foolproof, literally no foolproof method um, to keep your children in the way. But I think that we can provide uh, better environments uh, for our children in the home than what many of the things that I saw growing up. Um, and I think one of the, primarily that um, uh, what I saw and I've mentioned is that there is there's generally in, in, in uh, not just evangelical churches all across the all across the Christian, traditions, uh, there are superficial commitments of parents, that is, church uh, and the worship of God is just kind of a, uh, one activity among many, can easily be uh, can easily be set aside for sports or vacations or whatever. It's not central to the life of the family, and if it's not central to the life of the parents, if the parents have no heart for worship and for deep commitments to God, uh, and deep, so that this is simply a way of life, not just something that you do, not just one of the activities of life, but this is a way of life. Uh, it becomes the culture, it becomes this is who we are, this is what we do, this is where our lives are centered, uh, instead of, of as long as it's convenient, we'll do this. Because as Deuteronomy 6 says, uh, these things, the, the love of God, the law of God, have to be in our hearts first as, as parents, and then they are transferred to the children. Uh, the children are uh, tend to love what we love. They want to be like us. They want to imitate us. They want to follow after us. And they know what we love by what we do, what's prioritized in our lives, uh, the joy that we express in what we do in our Christian faith, um, or 
and whatever else, they pick up on that. It's more than it's more than just what we tell them to do. It's not just a bunch of rules. Um, and so we have to love these. We have to love love Christ first, and in all of life, it has to be a joy in our lives. And we are all naturally attracted towards beauty. And when our children see the gospel adorned in our lives, they see the beauty of it. They tend to be more attracted to it. They want they want that, and especially when you contrast it, like Solomon does in Proverbs. When you contrast it to the outcome of the lives of those who don't live that way, Solomon's not afraid to do that. He, he goes by this, for instance, the sluggard's field and sees it overgrown, and he points out to his son, you see this, you see what happens here. And there's not a problem with that. You say, look, look at our lives. Look at what's happened here. Look mm-hmm. at the beauty. Look at the love that we have. Look at all that we have here. And look at what happens when these people give themselves over to sin over here. What, what is the outcome of their lives? So that's a, that's pointing them that way and saying you need to love what is what is good and help them see past the, the superficial um, attractiveness of sin to see in the long term effects. But again, it has to be part of the culture of our home, so that this is not again something we do just as an activity among many other activities. But this is who we are, and this is what. This is what we love. This is who we love. And so that kind of culture has to permeate in our homes um, in order for that to take the hearts of our children. And it's, again, more than just uh, sitting down and lecturing them or making strict rules uh, about what they can do and what they can't do. And uh, even though all that will be part of it, I mean, there have to be rules, there have to be laws that will where there is obedience and disobedience, but it has to be a, a part of a larger culture and picture that uh, our children understand, okay, this is why we're doing what we're doing, and this makes sense, and this is the outcome. Um, and I know that's a challenge, uh, especially rearing uh, my own teenage boys and, and girls. Um, you know, there, there just came a time in life where we all face challenges when they become when, as parents, when, when our children become teens and with all the temptations that are out there. And you can, you know, you can crack down hard on them and you can, you know, put filters on your, uh, put filters on your computer. You can do all sorts of things to, uh, to, to really crack down. And some of those things might indeed be needed. But one of the things that I, I thought has been helpful uh, is just sitting down and taking that example from Proverbs and saying, listen, you know, I can do all of this. And in the end, if you want to get around all of it, you will. Because it's your want to, it's your desire that's important. Yes. And if you don't desire what's lovely, if you don't desire what's good, then I can't change that. Because in the end, this is going to be your responsibility. You have to determine whether or not you want to live or you want to die. That's right. And <laughs> These are the these are the choices, and this is your responsibility. And all I can do, in the end, is show you the way. And I've taught you, you know, I've taught you how to do these things, but you have to own it. You have to own this for yourself. And so that is, uh, I, I, I think, um, one of the things I saw again growing up was, you know, whenever children started to stray, it was just kind of 
ratchet down the rules a lot harder, but still no bigger picture, uh, still no display of the loveliness of Christ and following him. Uh, it's just, we don't do that. This is, you know, kind of a whole set of rules and, uh, without, without foundations for those rules, children become discouraged. They, they become exasperated. They have no idea why they're doing what they're doing. And, all their friends seem to be having fun, <laughs> yeah. and they're and they're just obeying these rules. So, I, I think uh, you know that we ha- we have to create these cultures in our home where the fragrance of Christ, the beauty of Christ, is is evident. Doesn't mean it's problem free. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect in every way, but it has to be attractive. It has to be beautiful to them. Amen. Today we've been talking with Pastor Bill Smith. Uh, He pastors Cornerstone Reformed Church in Carbondale, Illinois. And uh, Pastor Bill, as we see these kids in the church, um, sometimes there's a family with young children, and they want to do the very best that they can for their children. And our church happens to be one that the children are welcome in the service, and they're encouraged to be there. But some of these young children can be a little bit noisy at times. Uh, Do you have any instructions for maybe some of the older members of the church how to view these young covenant members uh, so as not to get frustrated with some of the noises that they make? Oh, absolutely. That's... um, We... That's been our experience here too, uh, not only at Cornerstone but other churches I've uh, pastored. Uh, as we because because of our position, our theological position of uh, children being included in the body of Christ uh, through baptism, and also we're uh, we believe that they ought to be in communion with us. Mm-hmm. So we think uh, that's the foundation for them participating in the worship service. They are some of our. Um, weaker members, as Paul would talk about, right. um, and I think in, in First Corinthians. Um, and, I, and, and I think we do, you know, of course, we have to bear with, we have to persevere and be long-suffering with those who are younger and who are maturing, who don't know these things, who don't know how to act um, in the worship service, but are learning how to act in the worship service. And I do think, I think our older members, uh, our older members need to be patient uh, with the children and with the parents um, as, as children make these sounds um, and those normal baby sounds. Now on the other side of that, I I do, I I think also that our, our parents need to be sensitive to the fact that uh, one of the things that they are teaching their children when to come into worship is that worship is not about me expressing myself anytime I want to. Mm-hmm. And so that I have to submit to the rest of the body so that when the rest of the body speaks, I'm speaking with them. When the rest of the body is quiet and listening, I am listening with them. When they're singing, I'm singing with them. Um, and so I th- the parents need to understand that they are training their children to submit to the rest of the body in worship. 
uh, and submit with the rest of the body in worship. They're teaching right. them to be worshipers. And so uh, allowing the children just to go wild um, and, and, and then telling the older adults, you need to just put up with it. There needs to be, that's, that's the wrong position. Yes. There needs to be a both and. There needs to be, we're patient with parents who are training their children, but the parents need to be training their children. And so that there are times when a child is screaming, he needs to be taken out and, and, uh, and ministered to <laughs> in whatever <laughs> way he needs, he needs ministering. Um, but, uh, he, he, he needs to learn that there are times to be, uh, there are times to play, there are times to express yourself verbally whenever you want, and then there are times to be quiet. Um, we found that, and again, this is my, my only, uh, mm-hmm. Reference is, is what we did, and we found that uh, that was encouraged and helped with uh, our, our own family worship at home, mm-hmm. which wasn't as long as our worship service on Sunday, but it gave them a context to say, hey, at this time, for the 5, 10, 15 minutes that we're going to do family worship, you need to sit still, you need to pay attention, you need to participate, uh, you can't crawl around, you can't do all those things. And, um, and so for those, they were conditioned all week, uh, every, every evening, uh, to understand, okay, there are set times for this, and then there are times when we can go out and we can just roll around in the mud like pigs. Um, but those two times are distinguished. (laughs) And and so, uh, and so when they got to worship on Sunday, they understood, they had a context. Okay, this is that time. Even when they were very young, they, they understood that we we certainly had. I was always up in the pulpit, but my wife and my wife had to take care of all the children, and there were times she had to take them all out um, for discipleship. Um, but um, it was uh, it was very helpful all week long when I uh, took the lead and led them in family worship all week mm-hmm. to prepare them for the family worship on Sunday. Yeah. Well, that's very good. Uh, Today we're talking with Pastor Bill Smith. He's pastor of Cornerstone Reformed Church in Carbondale, Illinois. And we're talking about, basically, Christian families growing up in the Lord, attending church. And earlier we talked a little bit about an article Pastor Bill had written uh, called The Wisdom of Youth. And I failed to mention that that was found in the Kuyperian Commentary, it's an online website, has excellent content. And so, um, Bill, in the last five minutes, tell us just a little bit more about your church and how it fleshes out, how these people coming into church, uh, they're not all pastors, certainly. Most of them are not even elders, maybe a few are deacons. Um, what do they do during the week to uh, advance the kingdom of God in their own lives in conjunction with the church, let's say? Oh, very good question. Um, well, I, I think as far as um, our particular church, I mean, we live in a very, we live in a pretty uh, semi-rural area. And so our church members interact with one another quite frequently throughout the week. Um, and so we're, in one way, you know, we're a very close-knit community, and that's very helpful for the advancements of the 
uh, of the personal health of each hmm. person, um, as and uh, as well as, of course, the advancement of the church. Um, and throughout the throughout the week, I mean, our our people, the advancement of the kingdom, um, is that is simply that they are being faithful where they are, where husbands are providing and protecting their wives and children, and doing their doing their um, their vocations, their jobs, uh, not just earning money, but uh, building for the kingdom in what in all that they're doing. And I, I believe that's a that's a major part of what we emphasize here is that mm. every every legitimate work, every legitimate job, if you want to call it that, is uh, is kingdom work. Uh, they don't have to be um, they don't have to be uh, pastors or missionaries in order to do God's kingdom yes. uh, God's kingdom work. And so he is he's building cultures, and the gospel does that. And I, I think also the fact that they, you know, lead their families in in prayer and scripture reading, and and I know not all of our families necessarily do that. Uh, no church has a one hundred percent participation rate as far as that goes, but uh, a great deal of our families are participating in, or, or are doing family worship. I send out. Um, um, basically a family worship liturgy each week uh, is pretty much the same every week, but uh, kind of correlates with our, our Sunday worship to integrate what we're doing Sunday morning with what they're doing all week long with scripture readings and all sorts of uh, prayer needs and things like that. Uh, so encouraging our people to uh, participate in family worship, those personal devotions, and doing their uh, fulfilling their responsibilities wherever they are and whatever God's given into their hands is really the way that we're uh, we're working here. Yes, and uh, one last thing, um, and that is education. We see a lot of uh, deterioration in the public school system. It, it's been going on for generations, in my humble opinion. But yes. uh, especially lately, there's been a terrible deterioration. Um, what options are your folks using um, for the education of their children? <laughs> Very good. This was, this was going to be a whole show in itself. I'll, I'll, try, <laughs> to answer, I'll try to answer that quickly. Um, most, of our, most of our people uh, homeschool. Um, some uh, have children in Christian schools. Uh, our parents do cooperate with one another in uh, teaching mm. classes, okay. but one of the things, but one of the things that uh, we do, one of the things we understand as well, is that education is not just about information, but about formation, mm. and mm. that uh, we're trying to. It is discipleship. It's not just about getting facts in their heads and things like that. So their education involves, uh, say, our vesper service on Wednesday nights, and um, as well as. Sunday school and, and worship service on Sunday, uh, and so uh, we're doing that, and we're also we're uh, trying at, at this particular time. It's a it's kind of a slow start, kind of a difficult start, but we're also working on developing an institute for um, post secondary studies uh, called the Cornerstone uh, Work and Worldview Institute, and it focuses on. Um, 
worldview training, um, a, a good biblical li- uh, liberal arts training uh, with a focus on business, and then combining that with internships um, so that they are trained, people are being trained in the skill, uh, as well as uh, as well as being having all the classes. So we're working on that right now. Um, we're uh, we we had a proposed start date of October. Uh, we may have to do some adjusting there. Uh, it's just a lot to get together, but uh, we are we're working together on that uh, education uh, front as well. So not just not just uh, not just primary and secondary education, but also post secondary and the college alternative uh, for those who who would like that. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. Um, Very encouraging to hear. Our guest today has been Pastor Bill Smith of Cornerstone Reformed Church in Carbondale, Illinois. And is there a website or blog or any place where the folks can go to learn more? Oh, yes. I mean, um, you you can certainly go to our our website at cornerstonereformcrec.org. And then... um, if you want to know more about the, the Worldview Institute, uh, it is cornerstonework.org, and you can learn more about the, the Institute there, and that's going to be updated frequently, I'm sure. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Pastor Bill Smith, and uh, dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 